Tyler. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wandering Bear Sports Podcast, the number one sports podcast on planet Earth, proudly brought to you each and every week by Caffeine Gum Australia. So, Caffeine Gum Australia is now used in every professional sporting competition in Australia, which we're very proud of. Uh, hit the AFL, cricket. Mum, we're in cricket. How good. And uh, what it is, it's a caffeine chewing gum, and it has 100 milligrams of caffeine per piece. comes in three amazing flavors. It is batch tested, and it's very, very easy to use and effective, and um, you can keep it in your pocket. So, yeah, it's become very popular for athletes all over Australia, and we're very proud of that. So please check it out at www.caffeinegumaustralia.com. All right, today on the podcast, I sit down with Mr. Zach Beer. Now, I got to know Zach a little bit offline earlier this year, and he's a fantastic bloke to talk to and a really engaging person. And what I what I find when I do these podcasts is there's a common thing that all the best coaches have. They are very honest, they're very open and interesting to talk to. And they're very engaging. And Zach definitely has all those attributes. He's also had a huge amount of success as a coach, winning nearly every grade competition and a lot of Colts competitions coming through the system. Uh, he's now been the head coach at Norse for three years, I believe, uh, taking them to a minor premiership last year in the craziest shoot shield in living memory. And we talked about that. We talked about where he sees the game going, how he believes Norse can take a step further next year. And we just had a really good conversation. We got a bit deep at times, uh, which I enjoyed. And I think that people will get a lot out of this podcast. I know I say that every week, but if you are a young coach uh, or someone that's coming through the pathway I think having the ability to listen to guys like Zach when they share their stories is just invaluable. I certainly took a lot out of it, and I hope you do as well. So enough ranting from me. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Mr. Zach Beer. All right, we're live. Zach, thanks very much for doing this, mate. I've been very excited to get you on, and I'm very glad that you finally, or we finally found the time to sit down and do this. Firstly, mate, I've got I've got a lot of questions, a lot of things to talk about. Something that I, I've been very interested to know is the beer surname. Where, where's that from? Like, what's the, what's the origin of the beer surname? Wait, I, I don't know. I think it's probably Dutch or something. Um, I've actually never looked it up. Although I did get a random bloke message me. It wasn't one of those fishers trying to um, trying to get my my passwords and my yeah. bank account details. But he, it was a genuine bloke. He said, mate. The beer surname, Ancestry.com, um, really keen to find out some stuff about the family tree. Um, I deleted it. I probably should have gotten back to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, no, mate, not not sure. Like um, in terms of the family name, like my uncle was, was he was president of Manly for, he was president last time they won the premiership in, in 97. At the Marlins? At the Marlins, yeah. He, he was, I think he was manager of their first grade team when they won the 83 three grand final i think it was yeah um, so yeah he's he's been around for a bit and people always think that i'm his son but no but mate it's very very pleasing to find out that you're not actually afraid of a beer but <laughs> mate let's get into it i, 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 I want to know a bit about your your background your playing career 
um, how you how you got into coaching, and I guess just a general outline of the pathway to get to the head coach of Norths. Yeah, mate. So probably um, working from the start, I guess. Um, footy's always been a huge part of my life. Um, my old man played league growing up. Um, he played for the Bears, um, North Sydney Bears, actually, um, and uh, retired actually due to concussions. He had him pretty bad, and to have him bad back then, you you need to be real bad. Yeah. Um, he ended up having some issues later on with that that were probably directed. Um, my uncle was was heavily involved in in manly rugby. Um, grew up in in sort of well, northern beaches, and then the parents split. Um, so went to Morris Brothers, North Sydney, played a lot of league there. And then my uncle was like, mate, you're not playing anywhere but Manly and, and Seaforth Raiders. So um, played right through there. I think I played you know, a few hundred games for the club. Um, still got my, my name up on the on a little um, little thing on the wall there. And then went through and played for, for Manly Colts back when it was under 19s um, Colts and then the under 21. So I think I started at Manly Colts as a fullback um goal kicker when i was like in year 11 so i was like 16 or, or 17 just a young young skinny pup um getting belted and then um we'd play league on thursdays league on sundays and it was just footy um my younger brother was like three years max beer he was he was three years younger than me so um i'd always end up coaching his teams and just to help out and sort of found a bit of like a no it just came pretty natural to me yeah um I was looking just as forward to coaching those lads as I was to playing. Um, anyway, progressed through the, the team, ended up becoming head coach there of that, those junior teams. We won premierships, um, coaches state champs, manly teams, won premierships. Um, we had guys like uh, Will Hopawati, Marley Hingano, um, like some, some serious, footballers. serious footballers in there. Um, and then when I was playing, I, I was probably a little bit, OCD with my goal kicking, I guess. And um, mate, I tore my hip flexor twice within the space of six months. And then one of the board members at Manly called me. He was like, Zach, all these young guys you were coaching through age group are now in in the under 19s or, or third grade Colts. Mate, do you want to come and coach them? So I said, yes, spent the season coaching him. Um, we actually made the grand final, which was the first time um, ever that, that Manly had, had made the grand final that grade, but we lost to Sydney Uni um who was stacked uh and then after that they changed the the point system so that was the last year of it so that became... was the last year of it yeah yeah that was the last year of it um Matt, i came back and tried to make a comeback rugby wise um and my hip flexor was just shot like i had no not that i was an explosive player anyway yeah. uh, but I just it was poor technique um probably overuse as well like playing thursday saturday sunday which you can do as a young kid but uh mate i trained for hours on my kicking um and yeah so anyway second year they offered me second grade colts did that third grade colts uh sorry second grade colts again did that made the prelim both years and first grade colts um similar thing and then um i actually started up my own business um I guess my other side of my life, the corporate side, and um, that was going really well. And I said to the club, they offered me first grade Colts head coach. I said, no, I'm just going to focus on my business. What um, What was your business? If you so know. I was in like exec executive search, so like um, talent recruitment for in the finance industry. Yeah. Um, 
And that's, I, I mean, I enjoyed that, not so much a finance industry as such, but like the, the people side I, I loved, um, getting to know people and clients and things like that. And then the club, Anthony Bergen actually gave me a call. He said, mate, come back and coach, just coach fourth grade. I know you're starting a business, going to be super casual. Like you can come to training once a week. Um, we'll help you out. And it ended up um, being me and Andrew Davis, who was an ex sort of first grade captain of Manly. Um, I went all in, just, mate, like um, poured my absolute heart and time into it. Um, the business survived, thank God, but we ended up winning the premiership that, that year um, in fourth grade. We Our theme was the house. Um, so we had our five-year reunion 2020 and then um, got another one coming up soon in a couple of years. Um, got promoted to third grade, did third grade, made the grand final and, Third grade again, similar story. Then second grade, um, went through to the prelims and, and um, yeah, an opportunity sort of fork in the road that didn't happen at Manly for the first grade job and and ended up at Norse where I've been for the last four years. It's my fourth year at Norse. Been head coach for three years now. Um, yeah, so that's, that's sort of the story. So looking back on that, do you think that even when you were playing, you always had an eye that you would end up being a coach? Yeah, like, mate, I would describe myself as like a, a, a player who probably made teams that I shouldn't have because of like grit and and hard work and um, and things like that. Like, I wasn't I wasn't a highly talented player. Like, um, like I, I you know I, I could do do okay on the field and stuff, but um, yeah, where my brother was the opposite. He was like he'd rock up to the game with no no boots and wear someone else's boots and go well where I'd be the opposite like I'd need to have everything set out the night before um for whatever reason like through Marist and and even league like I was playing league on Sundays when I was coaching later on um just as much as I could and and I always sort of ended up as yeah a leader or captain and and that so it was pretty natural to me um I love the tactical side of the game and the, the creative flair that you could put into into the game um but also mate like the people leading guys leading a group of diverse blokes to a common goal like i don't think there's anything much better it's the it's definitely the funnest part of coaching is trying to get everyone on the same page and then when you start to get some success like you've had uh, i can imagine that that's extremely rewarding what's it like what was it like walking into norse for the first time obviously you spent good part of your life at manly part of the furniture there then you, you've gone over to Norths. Uh, I've got a little bit of insight into some of the Norths guys. I'm, I'm cousins with the Sinclair brothers. Yep. And I went I went to Huey's engagement party a few years ago, and I've walked in, and I'm very used to the Sutherland Shire, sort of a little bit more relaxed and, you know, and I've, I've walked in. Everyone's wearing chinos. They're all wearing, uh, you know, RMs, and they're all wearing this uniform, even though I don't think they know they're wearing a uniform. And it was very different. What was your experience like when you first walked into Norse? Um, well, I'd never worn RM Williams before, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, mate, I, I know what you. I know what you mean. Um, I think Michael Smith um, Shitters actually put a thing up on the Facebook page with blokes not in correct kit, and he literally had a photo of himself um, <laughs> in the kit on the players' page. But no, I mean that was that period of my like coaching journey like that was probably the first and i'm gonna have a, am gonna have plenty more um i've had a lot 
since then I'm going to have plenty more to come. Um, but that was probably like the first major like punch in the punch in the mouth that I've got on the coaching journey. So like um, at Manly, I I did sort of nine straight years um, finals every year, like you know you know grand finals things like that. Progressed um, and and Manly did really well. Um, looked after me. Um, uh in that sense david Begg was a president for a large chunk of that he really and then he became president of sydney rugby he was really good there um mate he called me a couple of times as a week as as like a third grade coach to see how i was going they ended up investing in me going over to new zealand so spent a few weeks over there i think when i was coaching third grade going up to second grade um yeah billy melrose got me as his sort of apprentice for a couple of years there doing all his analysis and game day and then um yeah missing that um i went deep in the process got down to the last two for the head coach role yeah um and then that didn't eventuate um they went with with another guy there um and over the past three years prior to that norths and and another club in particular had reached out a few times um for me to come across for different gigs but i'd said no um, I'm not leaving Manly. I was I was actually like Manly ball boy growing up and stuff. So like I grew up at Manly Oval, you know, played juniors, never wanted to be at another club. And I sat down with the president and uh, Graham O'Donnell and Chris Hall at the time. And yeah, mate, they were like, we've tracked you, we've watched you. Chris Hall in particular was like really brilliant with that, mate. Like he knew a lot about me, what, what I'd done. He'd asked around where I needed to develop, which was a big one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I came across and I probably came to Norse at a really good time, like the transition of the club, probably four years after the, the chrono era um, or three years then. And then a good time for me as well. So, mate, I just, I think I bought a lot, like I bought my authentic self to the club. Um, I might have actually bought a pair of Iron Williams, which I, I did, but that's, but um yeah the other than that i think i was still true to myself um and probably like yourself mate you know going from from south to to hunter now like there's things that i was coaching at manly that i bought to norse that they were like shit this is pretty cool and there's other things that i that were completely foreign to me that norse do as a club that open my eyes so yeah it ended up being like the the um the best thing that's that's happened to my coaching career so far uh, very similar story obviously we've talked about this offline i spent 16 years at one club never been to an i'd never been to another shoot shield game that didn't involve that club and then obviously um some fun stuff happened and i ended up at another club and it's it's been a very good learning experience to see how other people go about things and, and probably similar to yourself i've gone i'm just going to be myself do do what I do well and then try and learn from the guys around me. And I, I think that's probably the right way to attack it. Mm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does, mate. And it, and it, I mean, like it's a it's a it's a good exercise of like throwing your mirror up in front of yourself. And there's times where you walk into a new environment, and you're thinking shit, like um, you get those second thoughts, like any time that you level up, um, but you focus on the task and the craft and the reason why you're doing it, um, which ultimately is the, the guys, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. And yeah, mate, I've fallen in love with the place. Like, I mean, I went to school across the road, Morris North Shore. I went to, I when my mum rented a little cottage at Neutral Bay 
um, on Young Street near Primrose yeah. Park. Yeah. So like, I, I couldn't have been. I, we that's where I used to go down and kick. So yeah, was, if there was any club that I was probably close to, it'd be it'd be the Red and Black. So you, you and I have done a lot of these coaching courses, mm-hmm. and a big thing that they talk about is coaching philosophy. Have you have you sat down and worked out what your coaching philosophy is? And do you think that that's something that coaches should actually sit down and do? Yeah, I did, mate. I think that was one thing when I went to to New Zealand that they were like really big on and, and push, and I hadn't actually thought of it then um, and until then. And it's changed like a little bit, um, but ultimately, like in, for to answer your second question, yes, I think all coaches should have some form of it. Um, mate, my philosophy is pretty simple. It's it's using like I coach men. We have we have the women's team as well in in the program, but in terms of the the team that I'm coaching at the moment, like it's to use rugby as a vehicle to create better men. Um, and it's as that yeah. So. Um, you can go a lot deeper into that. Like, what does that actually mean? Um, it means everything I do from a conscious perspective is to try and get the guys to become better decision makers. Yeah. Um, that then transcends footy and goes into life. Um, good habits, good rituals, good behaviors, good standards can transcend the footy field and, and go to life. Um, and then also the vehicle to, um, to become better men is like, Mate, you could be having a, a shocker of a day. Um, the last thing you feel like doing is coming down to training, cold Primrose Park in, in June, July. You get out, you train, and it's not until you come back in your car and you close the door that it's like, shit, i got to pay this bill. This is due at work tomorrow. Um, your missus might be doing your head in or whatever. Um, but for that period of time that you're with the lads on the grass, it's just like a pause and if it wasn't there in your routine, you know, you don't, it's, it's almost a forced um, being present in the moment. So, yeah, mate, I think you can go deep down that. That's what I'm about. Um, and I think that sits pretty true to me. Um, and I think it's not even, mate, the line that you come up with. It's, it's, it's the exercise of reflecting on it and why do you actually coach? Um, I think it's important to keep coming back to that as well, especially when, you've, when you're straight fighting wins, losses in the middle of the season as well. Why do you coach? Um, I, like it's probably two things. Like firstly, it's the people. So, um, yeah, when you asked me earlier about that, you know, h- how did I get into coaching and thought about it like that, I sort of just naturally went into it. But why did I stay in coaching? It's the people. So it's like the players first. Like you see, I don't know, we had a guy, Apo Runaway, he was yeah. playing second grade for Ringer. Um, he came across, um, worked, you know, we got his life off field sorted. He was living down in Wollongong. Um, we came to, you know, an agreement with how we were going to make it work so he could stay with his family, which was really important to me that he was comfortable there. Um, his footy flourished. He's still got a long way to go, of course, but um, mate, he started every game for us in first grade this year. Um, and signed a you know super rugby deal with the force. Now he's still got a, a long way to go. Don't get me wrong, but um, Max Bury, you know, guy like James Turner who might have come from another club. Those sort of things. Um, seeing those guys kick on. Um, but then secondly, mate, like just yeah, the stories with the guys, the moments. Um, a lot of the coaches listening will will know those moments that you have with players that 
in a different role, a different setting, a different, you know, probably not a different sport, but we're, we're unique. I think in, in rugby, the people we got pretty special, like you can't create these moments with guys or girls in, in many other parts of life. What, what about during some tough moments? Obviously you've, you've had a lot of success, but I, I think it's helpful to talk about maybe some of the tougher moments. Like, uh, I don't know if you listened to it, but I, I did a podcast with Wayne Smith yeah. and I, I asked him about, you know, when you're trying something with the All Blacks, how did, you, how did you test it out to make sure that it worked? Because I could imagine with that pressure, you'd want to know that something worked before you tried it. And he said, we didn't think about it like that. We were unafraid to try things. We failed often, but because we were unafraid to try things, occasionally there were some gems that worked and he believes that something they tried helped them win the world cup and that that completely flipped my mindset on failure because i was very scared to make mistakes and, and i think it'd be good to touch on m- maybe some of the harder moments some mistakes you might have made that you've learned from that has helped you set you up for future successes mm. um yeah they could be like micro with some things that we've done like with our gameplay that completely failed or, or or things like that and then also like bigger moments as well um uh yeah like the the met losing out to the manly job um which i felt like i'd worked my whole life for was was she, like i felt like my world had ended um even though work away from footy was going going in a really good place um i didn't handle that well like the first few days um it was really raw um how how long how did you get over that and i'm I'm asking for personal personal reasons here yeah mate um i like i spoke to a lot of people i i at first i just did not i would like to believe i was like well i literally couldn't have prepared any better i had an unbelievable like coaching crew i was going in with like most like pretty much all manly guys um and for me i was like well there's no reason however it took like i'd say like a week to to realize that happens you know and they chose someone else for a completely different reason and maybe like it wouldn't i was yeah i was i was inexperienced and all that sort of stuff it wouldn't have mattered what i did in the presentation at that time um the guy who got you know who ended up getting the job was yeah they went with him for a different reason so from that then it's like a process it was almost like a grieving process i guess which is like if you don't get anything that you really work hard for in life it's like shit where do i go from here um and then step by step and then the the phone ringing from other clubs like hey we heard this happen we want to like we want to grab a grab a beer or grab a coffee and sitting down with them and players like reaching out and things that really helped. And then when you get back on the horse into the craft of actually coaching, it's like, mate, I'm not doing this to be that title. Like I, and now looking back on it, it was like, yeah, don't be anxious about your progression, but be urgent. So at the time I was probably anxious about, I got to get this title. Yeah. because that's what i went out to do where now it's like no i just got to keep developing as a coach and things will come in the right time so yeah. that's probably it in a nut in a nutshell with a major thing like that but mate there's no right or wrong and i think it's okay to feel like shit after something like that 
um, because it showed I cared. I, I, I very easily could have just gone like, nah, I'm just going to go corporate space, but yeah, I'm so proud of myself that I, that I didn't. And I'm sure I'll have more setbacks in the future that I may take the easy option, but I'll try and think back to that, that one when they come. Mate, great answer. Have, have you found in your life that inevitably after a setback, you generally have something good happen or a door open. I, I've definitely had that experience uh, just recently, mm-hmm. and and now I look back and I go, oh, I'm glad that happened because it's given me this opportunity, which is a wonderful opportunity and you know potentially a better opportunity. Do you, have you? And but I've had that experience throughout my life. Have you? Have you had something similar? Million percent, million percent. But it's not until the end that you can look that everything, everything. Um, everything happened for a reason. Like I speak a lot about like in footy, there's like sliding doors moments. And like, you know, I used to not fully understand what that means, but like the, you know, I'm a hopeless golfer, but if you're, if you're teeing off, um, if you're teeing off and your driver's like five inches this way or five inches that way, it completely changes the trajectory of where the ball ends up. And those moments, like the, the decisions you make at the time you think, that's like my world is going to end. But I think if you keep doing with the momentum that you've gone in to get the opportunity that you just missed out on, if you carry on with that momentum, those those values, work ethic, whatever it is, you'll end up getting getting rewarded, hopefully. Um, and it might be in a completely different way or different area. I yeah. made 100%. I could not agree with you more. And just what you said about, about – um, not being anxious, but being urgent and then yeah. focusing on your development. I think that's a really important message for players as well. The amount of players that you see that don't get into first grade or they don't get the, the, the rewards or the contract that they want straight away, they go, oh, fuck it, it's too hard and go and do something else. I think if, if you had a bit more of a, a patient or an attitude of I'm going to develop myself and focus on development, then as you said, the rewards will come eventually in one way or another. And it took me to start coaching and some of the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years to realize that. And I think it's just a really important thing to emphasize for anyone listening out there. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I use that a lot with, with players that um, anxious versus, versus urgent, like keep, keep coming to us for feedback, you know, keep um, cutting up your games and sending it to us, keep um, all that sort of stuff. But, but, but don't get anxious about it. Like be urgent, yes, but at the end of the day, focus on your craft. You know, there's that saying about the clouds and the dirt. Like, mate, have your have your bold ambitions up here of where you want to get to. But at the end of the day, you've got to just you've got to just do the work and grind away. Like if you had have said to me, shit, what is it? Four, 14 years ago, start at third grade Colts, um, and you'll become a first grade coach one day. If, if, you, if I'm looking up there saying, mate, I've got to eat dirt for the next however long, not saying that's eating dirt, but using the metaphor, um, maybe I, I might not have gone that way, but you have to in life sometimes. So, yeah, the dirt and the clouds thing is really interesting. Be urgent over anxious. I love that. Do you, do you guys do anything formally in, at Norse for life skills or to help develop you guys uh, as people and leaders off-field? Mate, like um... – no, like the clubs, the clubs values, which are not just on a wall. Like we talk about them all the time, you know, better the, um, better the player, better the person, better the community. 
um, everything we do around the club and with like the DNA or fingerprints of coaches who've gone by this group now is is implementing um, and we're doing a lot more to actually like document what it means to be a shoreman and what it means to be at north where before it was just like hearsay or the senior players that say this is what we do so the last four years i've been really like keen to like actually get it down in in this is what we're about as a club and this is how we go about things and you add to it every year um but yeah mate like we don't actually have a formal like program as such and it's difficult as you know at shoot shield level we only have limited time um yeah. but the behaviors rituals things like that we do at training i think that becomes like high performance and leadership it's not it's not the flashy facility it's not how much money you can offer to players like we actually don't we don't have you know we don't have those those luxuries that other clubs have so we have to we have to develop guys based on the habits and rituals and training and things like that. We do get guys in, like we've got a guy, we've got it. We have a guy at the moment that I'm working with who um, is an ex-sniper for, for the SAS and we're sort of keeping that in-house, what we're doing. Yeah. But he's working He's working really closely with myself, the coaching team and the leaders on, oh, on that's this. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mate, what a great experience getting to learn from a guy like that. Yeah. Mate, you spoke about the values and what it means to be a shoreman. How do you as a leader drive that in the organization? Is it is it something that you have to go back to your senior players about? Because it's, it's far stronger coming from uh, a player as opposed to the coach. Or, or how do you think about that? Yeah, mate, I think you're, I think you're bang on there. Like, um, if I come in telling the guys how to act and how to behave, um, they might nod their heads initially, but they'll walk out the door saying like, well, we're still going to do what we we do. I think the most powerful way that you can get a group to believe in something is to find out what they actually believe in. And that forms every culture of, you know, every team's identity or culture is different depending on the individuals. So will you, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Will you sit down and get the group together and have a formal discussion about that? Is, is that how you do it? Yeah, we talk a lot about that. Um, we talk heaps about that. We talk about um, like, I think when I came to the club, one of the things that I realized was that the 16, 17 group was so strong in results, um, personalities, um, structure of play, D DNA. Um, those guys like Ira Simone, um, Michael Wells, uh, Angus Tarvau, um, Will like Miller, Will Miller yeah. um, they've gone on to, to do other things and the group was completely different. And I think for the couple of years following that, it was like a bit of an in-between. I think the set 18, that had a brilliant year. Well, unlucky not to go on there. Uh, 19 probably um, lack that, like what do they actually stand for with the new group? So we speak a lot about that. We like we pay full respect to that group. There's still like one or two players from that group, but this is a new group, you know, and, and we've got to do all the things of that foundation still that were good, but let's add to it. So I think we've got to talk about it. Um, and you can't just be words. We've got to say like things that happen in a game, like, you know, we make a line break and guys push through in support. It's not just like good support. It's what are those things that we talk about, about our behaviors that that shows, yeah. um, you know, like, you're not allowed to have a sip of a water bottle until you pass one to a mate, like ever. 
Um, things like, you know, water bottles have to be in a tray. They can't just be tossed there. Things that like a lot of rugby clubs do. But if you talk about why you're actually doing it, I think it can be pretty, um, pretty powerful, you know. And, and then relating it back to the rugby side of things as well, like whether it's uh, we work hard for your mate and kick chase and then actually reviewing that and going, this is look at this value in uh, our club value in action. And that's why we say it and live it and do it and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really easy thing to do for any level of coaches or like or teams at training and things like that is calling out calling out those behaviors like the guy who, you know, we get a turnover, we shift it wide and there's one bloke over the ball, but we shift it back the other edge and score in the corner. Like if he doesn't bust us to get there and clean that rock, our corner doesn't happen. So um yeah, like a lot of how we play, we don't have a massive pack. We don't have um, a load of super boys coming back. I think we have one this year, Hugh Sinclair, who busted his bicep. So we've got to be, we've got to be gritty, and we've got to do those effort areas better than the most. We we're not perfect at it by any stretch at all, and we still got to be better. How do you reflect on twenty twenty two? I've I, that was year sixteen for me in the shoot shield, and I've never seen anything like it. It was a crazy year. I, I thought it was an amazing year. Yeah. What What did you, how do you reflect on it? What did you learn from it? Did you touch on a few things that you took away from it? Um, mate, I love how you you run into people and they'd say, mate, what are you, what are you? Like, how good's this shoot shield going this year? And I'm like, well, I'm glad someone's enjoying it. <laughs> it was stressful, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. I've been soaked in about six months. But, um, <laughs> mate, it was it, it was like, yeah, it was pretty cool to go back. We, the other weekend, you know, with like, there were, there was Hedge, Hedger, Rivo, um, like a number of, the, uh, yeah, Tree, Deleuze. Yeah, yeah. So a fair few of the coaches who were involved in, in last year. And it was like, mate, like, at least we can all sort of laugh about it now. But it was crazy. Like, there was no down weeks. Um, do you know what I think it was, mate? Was like, it was a traditional season in terms of format. You didn't have, you had one competition buy. So it was a June long weekend. That was your only buy. So you'd go from memory, it was eight weeks and then 10 week or 10 weeks, then eight weeks plus four weeks of finals. Um, it's a lot plus trials, plus trials and plus sevens before that. Most teams start training in November. Um, so mate, it's long season, but you've got to remember like, the sum total of 2020 games, uh, sorry, 2021 and 2020 equal the sum Same. total of 2022. Yeah. Level of the shoot, I mean, you'd be able to answer this. Like, I personally think that the level of the shoot shield is getting better every year. Um, I think the average age is getting younger. Um, we're obviously getting less super or wallabies guys come back but i think the club rugby standard is improving without those rep players yet boys are still all working full-time jobs we're all still on a similar budget to what we've been for the last 25 if anything it's less now anything it's less mate we have a more we're in a more competitive market like how many guys in the comp have just signed deals in the english english premiership or or top league in japan um you know mlr Decent coin, and um, yeah, and we're like, hey, he's a you know, he's a couple hundred bucks or a pie and a can of coke sort of thing, and but it's such a good springboard. So yeah, mate, I think in terms of the actual competition, like it was, 
yeah, the tribalism's like stronger than ever. Seeing those teams who were traditionally down the bottom like come up and mate, we got scalped by um, two blues out there. Um, and we were like, shit. And then they went and did uni and we were like, okay, I feel a bit of it. Not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, but mate, it, it was, it was a really good comp. Um, it forces you to, to be better um, as a coach and, and as players. Yeah. So obviously you had a very successful year, probably not the level of success that you would have liked. I mean, minor premiers is great, but we all want to be the major premiers. Looking back on last year, what needs to change or what do you need to do uh, as the head coach of Norse to take the next step in 2023? Yeah, well, it'll be a completely different comp. Um, I think we'll have a, a slightly different team like most teams. Um, from the lessons of the old take of the last three years with the club and going into the fourth is you have to, yes, you can keep the moment. The momentum doesn't exist from last year. Yeah, like everyone starts again, so I think it's really important that you know they say don't rest on your laurels and all those sort of things, cliches. But like genuinely, you have to start your momentum again. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, secondly, like the guys have like a chip on their shoulder now about not, not us not delivering on on that um coaching staff as well we've sort of refreshed um a bit there got some new guys in um for, for different reasons guys moves on for work and stuff but um i think ultimately mate what we spoke about with the competition is you talk about being two two players deep in every position i think now especially with things like concussion coming in you've got to be like minimum three deep I agree. Um, across the board which is near it's pretty tough to do because you've got guys who you know get promises to start in first grade at other clubs and stuff they might be playing third grade for us but opportunities can can come during the season so that's a balancing act that's the first thing that i think we probably had were three three players deep in about 10 positions yeah. um that round 18 game we played for the minor premiership against east we lost five starters like margan turner hugh sinclair angus sinclair um and dave Hemingway. some hugely experienced important players yeah yeah and and one of those guys maybe if they had have stayed on and like um whatever but you can't think about that because it might yeah be that's rugby isn't it that's rugby the guys who came up and stepped in did a brilliant job we then i think will beat manly in this first week of the semis but then the guys again like coming on like that having that depth um we probably probably lack second is like set piece mate so like um i think we were we were top four in 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 line out and top six in scrums where like every you know pretty much every other area of our game we were we were we did well like sort of top two but mate, you're not going to win anything if you if you're fourth and six in your set piece like that's the most important you know as you know better than most like it's the most important part of your game so that's been a huge focus for us um and then thirdly is is the leadership like we had a super young team last year like yeah. gussie sinclair only played four games i think um and after him he's about 47 the tom brady of shoot you but he's retired <laughs> now but after him like harry bury our captain's only mid 20 mid 20s you know and, and i think most of the team was young so we lacked a bit of a bit of leadership across the board there. 
Can we talk about your program a little bit? Do you, for pre-season training leading into the season, do you have like a top squad and then maybe like a lower grade squad? Is is that how you, you guys run things? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it eventually comes that way. Like where are we now in, in Feb? mid-feb so we're just starting to split up in a, into a couple of groups um but they stay fluid like there's guys who may start first grade in the first trial and and drop down and other guys who start third grade things like that um we for as if with my other hat of like you know rugby across a club we when i joined like the lower grades weren't that strong they had a really a really good couple of years prior um, what I realized was there was like a clear distinction between top squad and bottom squad or lower squad from the duration of preseason. So um, we changed things and I was like, all right, up until Australia Day, we all train as one group. So everyone, which which isn't that, um, you know, isn't that different to a lot of clubs. But then from there, we make the top squad and, and lower squad like pretty fluid. Um, and we try and integrate Colts as much in that. So we we say every home game has to be all grades at North. We structure first grade Colts to play before second grade. That's like a non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, sometimes after grade, who did quite well last year, they played on North Sydney Oval, but we also had Thursday nights. We'd run our opposed session against Colts rather than second grade. So we try and get a bit of a look at, at everyone in that sense. Um, training as one club up until about now has definitely helped. Like we had all four grades make the finals last year for the first time in, I think, in a number of years. And then next year, obviously, trying to trying to push further. How, how do you break your days up? Do you have like a set piece day or an attack of day a defense day conditioning day like how, how do you do that yeah so we we like monday tuesday thursday so probably similar to most clubs mondays review and um weights and the forwards like might do an install of a, a new line out or, or something like that um tuesday is usually our heavier day um we split units we have units on both tuesday and thursday um Tuesday is usually uh, scrum focused, but they will touch on some line out. And then Thursday will be line out focused, but they do do a couple of lives at the end, which, yeah. which helped um, rather than leaving it all front loaded or, or back loaded in the week. Um, Tuesday is, yeah, a lot of like the contact breakdown, um, team, team beat, like we go full noise um, there and then, and, and then a bit more preview and, um and sharpening up on thursday but yeah similar similar in pre-season uh no pre-season we yeah actually from a unit's perspective yes um and then on saturdays what we've gone away from is like pre-christmas we'll use saturdays as like conditioning so we'll go to balmoral or or hills up a warber street or whatever um where now we we get one of we hire one of the synthetic pitches it's like a soccer pitch and we use Saturdays as like a, a big sort of install day. Oh, I like it. Yeah, with like conditioning spikes and things like that. But as you know, like, mate, by the time the lights go out at, you know, whatever time you finish training on a Tuesday or Thursday, there's never enough time. So for like Kells with line outs or something, he's he's now got, you know, X amount of time on Saturday and he can run them as long as he wants in a Saturday. How do you, as a head coach, so – Let's let's give your coaching staff a bit of a plug here because you got some outstanding assistant coaches. You know, Sammy Needs, one of the best scrum coaches around. Nick Kellaway's got huge raps on him. Matty Gordon. 
some great guys there. How do you work out how how much time to give these guys? And and how do you manage it actually? Are you sort of making sure that we're all on the same page or do you go, you go and do your thing as long as we're going well, I'll leave it with you. Like what's your process there? Yeah, um, mate, they're guns. They they are absolute guns. Throw like Gussie Sinclair now is doing our skills. So he's got his whistle um, whistle in now and he still jumped into a few drills. I think he could probably play. But um, no, mate, like really deliberately gone about trying to get these guys in. Um, it's like a balance between um, they've, they've got to bring their own different aspects um, and then ultimately like align um and commit or agree and commit or we might see differently but we eventually just commit to what's best um i would say that that's probably something i've improved on over the last five six years as a coach is like like delegating trusting them to drive it but you can't just do that to anyone you know i think it's got to be like you need to use your eq a little bit there you can't just give a bloke or or a girl you know full onus on an area of the game if they're not capable or, or up to it because they'll get found out by the players as you know pretty quickly so getting the right bums on the seats in the right positions understanding their level of capacity um, and then trusting them making sure they're really clear on what we see or I see as a as a head coach with the vision of how we want to play yeah. uh, making sure the players are on board with it um, trusting them and then make constantly tweaking and changing i would like to think the guys feel like they've got ownership over their areas um and we drive it and they take this this the levels and we make we stat everything or, or get stats for everything um and they take it pers personally as well we spoke a lot about where we ranked in different areas last year setting goals for this year what we're going to do differently to to improve so those guys take it really per personal as well and i i find like taking my rugby hat off and going back in like the you know working the city man it doesn't matter if you're talking footy or if you if you know i'd like a team of 15 people doing finance recruitment it's the same thing like they need to feel ownership over what they're doing they need to feel empowered they need to feel aligned motivated um that you trust them and you celebrate it mate when they do well and then the, the other thing with that is is it's um being allowed to make your own mistakes yeah. and go or like as long as it's not fatal I, th I think having a little bit of autonomy to go mm, i might have fucked up there i'll fix it next week is very valuable for a coach to have that trust from the head coach i think yeah yeah um how, how do you manage needsy i'm sure he wants to do six hours of scrums every week how do you go no needsy this is what we're doing or is there a little bit of collaboration there Mate, if he can get the, if he's got his finish time, so if he can get the guys there at two in the afternoon and get them to take a half day of annual leave, he can get in there for scrums. But no, as I said, mate, like we want to be, you know, we want to push to be top two in, in those areas and, you, and you're not going to do it by um, by spending a little bit of time on it. So, um, yeah, mate, it's exciting having those guys and, um, yeah, for them to want to be part of what we're doing to grow and get out of their comfort zone, that, that was... That was pretty cool as well. How do you manage the balance between having fun and working hard? Because as you said, Shoot Shield is now very, very serious. And, and you know, it's professionalism without the financial rewards, basically. 
and guys do it for a number of reasons. There, there are guys who are aspirational professionals, uh, similar to coaches as well. There's guys who do it because they're aspirational, and the, and then there's guys who just want to have a beer on the weekend, take it seriously, be in a community with a good bunch of blokes, and have fun. So, how do you, as a head coach, manage that to make sure that we're taking this really seriously, but we're also having a good time? Obviously, winning helps. Yeah, mate. I think the best way to have fun is to win. So, and and the best way to the best way to have fun is to win. Winning is, mate. Winning is fun. So, I think putting that out there of like this is what we're doing it for. Um, if the guys are on board with that, then and I'm just like, mate, it doesn't matter whether it was that third grade Colts team in 2011. I was said to them like we're even the fourth grade team, you know, in 15. I was like, well, what do we want to do out of this, boys? Do you actually want to? Do we want to achieve something here? Well, let's let's do it. Like, don't worry, we'll have some fun as well along the way by doing other things. But um, I'll tell you now, like, there'll be nothing better than you know for that fourth grade team. It was like winning a fourth grade premiership first time in 47 years or something, and they they're still the best of mates. And you know that that chat on my WhatsApp blows up more than any others so that's that's it i think that's one secondly is what does fun look like for that group you know i'm sure there'll be different coaches who come on here and and talk about like what it looks like for their group um for for, for my group like really different like we'll have a beer after a game um we like we'll enjoy each other's company um the boys drive a lot of stuff um in terms of like culture and and that away from that and that's just made them only tighter um and so do we as as a coaching group as well and i think being human as well like not taking yourself too seriously and and genuinely like we're in this together i think the boys can can see that um but yeah winning is fun um and as you go down the grades mate like it's not it's not hard to to have fun as as we know um a lot of the guys do yeah but i've haven't got much time left i want to get through a couple of a couple more questions i want to ask about mentors do you mm. think having a mentor is beneficial for a coach or a human in general and do you have any mentors that you regularly speak to or bounce ideas off yeah um yeah i think it is like you can have mentors that you don't know so like reading up reading reading about people and and listening to things like there's been a lot of coaches around the world that i've read about and listened to and things like that um i i have had mentors so like pr- two of the guys who've actually been on your podcast so uh mick burn um fantastic was really good to me um that was a bit left field like his son came and did some intern snc work at manly and then said mate i think you'd get along with my dad he put me in touch and then we grabbed a coffee and mate he's been even tracking norse games like coaching a drawer now like sending me odd texts and and messages um and we've chatted like in depth when he was at the Wallabies. Yeah. So that was really good having him. Um, Anthony Seabold, who's been on his another Fantastic. another good guy. Um, similarly, like when he was you know, balls deep with England, like still had time to talk about you know qu- questions and things like that. He's now in Sydney, so hopefully we can we can link up a bit more. Um, and then family, like my old man was was great. He's not around anymore, but he was probably my biggest. My biggest supporter but um yeah i think it is important mate to have people in your corner um we don't know we, we don't know anywhere near what we think we do as coaches no matter what the level particularly young coaches so having mentors to to help shape you is i think pretty important 
on the flip side of that, not that maybe not in a formal capacity, but do you have any guys that you that kind of reach out to you for help sometimes? Yeah, yeah, I I do like um within the club um and and outside, yeah, yeah, I do. And mate, I I love it. Like I I yeah, I really enjoy that part. And it's it doesn't matter if you're a player or a coach or whatever. I can't tell them what to do, but I can just give them my experiences and hopefully they can get something out of it. Do you do you find from your perspective that it actually reinforces the learning or you actually it helps improve your learning from what you know or maybe clarify some of your thinking on things yeah de- definitely mate and i think there's times like if you do pd and you go into a, a franchise like super franchise or you might go and watch an nrl team it's like shit they're not actually doing that different to what we're doing but it's not that it's so much deeper you know in terms of in terms of the other areas in between that um and they're the things that you can learn off of mentors um so no it is it is really important i've never asked this question before and it, it's something that i want to start making a bit of a focus for these podcasts is the subject of self-care for coaches mm-hmm. uh we've talked offline about my year last year and i definitely did not handle it well and yeah. and now i've worked out that for me like i, I do brazilian jiu-jitsu if I do that four, five, six times a week, my headspace is is wonderful. I've lost about 10 kilos. I feel fantastic. So for me, making sure that I do regular exercise is is really important for my state of mind. Is there anything that you do for yourself, for like a self-care thing to help deal with the stress? Any Anything, any area you want to go down. Is there, is there anything that you do? Yeah, mate, like I'm... I've become really self-aware that I was pretty shit at self-care for a period there. Like the la- I think when I took over as well, when I went from Manly to North and I was working full-time and we didn't have a head coach at North for like first four months, mate, I rode myself into the ground. And there's a saying in life, like you chase two rabbits, you'll catch neither. Mate, I was chasing two rabbits like a madman. And um, it just so happened that a year of that and thankfully the work, led to the opportunity that I've got now. So just chase the one rabbit now. But um even then, mate, like I, I, you know, so driven to want to want our club to do well and to want the boys to achieve their goals, that you can ride yourself into the ground sometimes. So that was something that I really reflected on in that COVID break, um, at the end of 2021. Um, and you can only do like two things in or three things in life really well. Um, as I said, I'm hopeless at golf, mate. I'm a shocker. I'm as bad as me, mate. Uh, no, I'm pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but my my time, like I've got two boys, my wife, Amy. So Hugo and Louis are four and one. Like mate, any minute I get, I want to spend with them. Yeah, uh, get, a, get away from the game. Yeah. Do get not disturb on my phone has probably been the greatest tool. I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, has probably been the greatest tool that I could have because, mate, I it just doesn't end. And in Shoot Shield, it's actually, yeah, one of the coaches, I can't remember who it was the other weekend, was talking like we actually work like recreation hours. So you do all your prep, like as I'm, you know, all your prep preview, everything during the day, then your, your players or those people, even your coaches who report to you, it's all after hours or weekend. So you've got like a night shift of people who contact you. You got what twelve coaches in grades, seven coaches in Colts, 
six S and C across the club, physios, GM, managers, club odd players. Yeah, hundred and forty <laughs> players or whatever it is, um, women's team as well. So yeah, you get some niche requests and calls come through. Um but yeah, mate, like spending time with my family, not as a cliche, like genuinely just sitting on the grass in the garden with the boys throwing a footy around is like the best, the best time I can have. And that gives me energy to then go back. And mate, it puts everything in perspective as well. It's footy at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, at the end of the day, as long as your kids are happy to see you, that's all that matters, mate. Absolutely. A couple more, mate. I'm very, very yeah. grateful for your time. Is there anything that you, you used to be sure about that you've now changed your mind on? And it can be any area of life, rugby, coaching, people, approach to coaching, mm. just something that you used to have absolute certainty on that you've now changed your mind on? Um, probably, yeah, like going back to the co- like coaches, like giving away control of areas of the game, um, different philosophies to mine, like polar opposites, and then trusting the guys who we've brought in to do it. That's something over the last five years that I've probably become a hell of a lot better at where early on as a coach, I wanted to do everything and then take, take ownership of like, all right, that's gone wrong. Let me fix it. Yeah. And I probably, I probably would have driven myself into the ground more. Um, secondly is like probably, I guess my relationship with losing, like I, I still hate losing, like I hate losing, but I used to really go down the path of like, where did this go wrong like at, for, on the result where now i'm try to be i still hate it but i try to be a bit more pragmatic um where if we lose we might win a game by like we had a game against eastwood at cowra like we had four blokes we lost four blokes during that game for the game and we were still in front with in like the 80th minute we gave away a penalty they kicked to the corner and eastwood pack pick and drive pick and drive pick and drive and you know how the story goes like they scored under the post they kicked the goal yet what we did in that game was pretty pretty good um and we played gordon a few weeks later we beat them at chatswood oval yet we played poorly and i probably i reviewed that one tougher than the loss where in the past it was like we lost what went wrong so just maturity in me there and being a bit more pragmatic Mate, that's great. A couple of rapid fires, mate, and and yeah. uh, we'll get you out of here. Okay. Back to your fifty-five million phone calls. Do you do you read much, mate, or do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah or... I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a nerd with that with that stuff. So, um, any yeah. you recommend, mate? Um, so depend. Like, I give guy any players who are like a bit scattery and struggling with stuff. Like, I tell them to read "The Power of Now" by Eckhart Tool. Um, which is a bit out there, like I'm into that sort of stuff, but I find that that can be a bit of a eye opener or like, um, get guys back to being present. Um, then on the other side, there's like extreme ownership by Jocko Willink, who's a Navy SEAL. Um, that's a really good book about leadership. Um, and just make any, like Eddie Jones has got a couple of good biographies, like any sports biographies. I like, I, I like, um, Alex Ferguson's one leading's good. Wayne, I just, read, I just read that one. Very yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, some some really good ones in terms of podcasts like um, Wandering Bears. All right, apparently. <laughs> um, Jocko's so, one good. Yeah. So so there's some there's some good ones. Oh, high performance podcast actually great. That's fantastic. That's yeah, love that one. And the different mate the the left field people they get on there 
that I've never heard of. And then you look up more and their story is really interesting. It doesn't matter the field, but it's so interesting how a lot of the stories are similar, like adversity, grind away, achieve something, more adversity. Yeah. That's have cool. you have you listened to the flying coach? No, I haven't. Check it out. They it's a it's an American one. I think they have a cut they have a couple of different series with different presenters. Uh Sean McVeigh presented on one series and they talk to NBA coaches, NFL coaches, ice hockey coaches. It's fantastic. I think you'd like that as well. I'll check it out. What's a common mistake that you see from young coaches? Um uh, you we were helping out at that IRA course a couple of weeks ago and there was some some young coaches there that we were talking to. Um, one thing was like this, uh, the vulnerability, like and understanding that like you're not the finished product. Like no, I'm sure like Eddie Jones isn't the finished product. He's still developing and growing. So I think as young coach, like mate, I'm, I'm, there's things that I'm I'm hopeless at, you know, that I know I need to be better at. And um, you get people in who are world-class in that area for the level to sort of up upskill you in that. So I think as a coach, understanding that and sh sharing, like as particularly as a young coach, like sharing with your group, like, you know, I'm still growing as well. Um, that, that vulnerability. Admitting when you make mistakes, I think is a very important thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I did it the other, like th last, it was Tuesday. So like a, a couple of nights ago, like, I explained a drill, we ran a drill and it was just clunky as all hell. And I brought the guys in and was sort of like laughed about it. I was like, that's, I was hopeless at explaining that. Like that was so bad of me. Like I, no wonder you did that. I'm going to explain it now, but now no excuses, you know, like, so I explained it, the boys had a laugh and then they were like razor sharp. So I think being able to show your human side and um, yeah, yeah. And that was something I used to like, shit, I haven't played for the Wallabies. I'm not an international test superstar who's coming to coach now, but that ended up advice for young coaches. Like, mate, I work my ass off studying that much tape of games, reading that many books, talking to players, watching footy, which is not the same as playing international test rugby, but hopefully that helps the group that I'm coaching become better, you know, better blokes and better players as a result. I had an, uh, a very well-known forwards coach at a professional level say to me when I said, well, I've never played super rugby. Like how would I have the credibility to be a super rugby forwards coach? And he goes, mate, you don't need to be a racehorse to train a racehorse. Like, <laughs> I that was great advice. <laughs> mate, last question, mate. If you could tell 18 year old Zach beer one thing, what would it be? 18. Jeez. Enjoy the King's Cross because it's all going to turn into office development. <laughs> yeah. Uh 18. No. Um uh can't be 20 if that's easy. Yeah, no, keep keep doing keep keep your head down and doing what you're doing. Um hard work does pay off. You get punched in the mouth, but continue to go um and most importantly soak it up don't don't wait for the next opportunity don't wait for your 21st birthday your 25th coaching this grade you know getting getting married all that stuff like just soak up the time that you're at at the moment because that's what you reflect on 
when you're when you're washed up like we are now. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for this. I've enjoyed it enormously. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Can I ask that if you haven't already, please go and review on Spotify and Apple. That means a lot to us. We've got all five-star reviews so far, but we need to get some more. Uh, so please do that. Please follow us on social media. And as always, have a great week, and we'll be back as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Bye.